0: All right, John, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, Things are about to get crazy. Uh, You know, football's still happening. We're still um, grinding along there. A couple of big games, but we're getting close to basketball season. So we had to, we're doing three episodes this week. Got to get a men's basketball preview in. Uh, But first of all, John, how are you doing on this Wednesday night at an unspecified time?
1: on a time that i was not anticipating it's actually before. it's
0: exactly 7 30 so if you want to it's get like, on me about you know not saying the exact time it is exactly 7 30
1: man it will uh, <laughs> yeah. i guess so yeah so seven thirty. uh why, why not uh but anyways it's been good so far uh classes have been kind of slow but um uh, you know you you said it i mean we're we're approaching possibly one of the more busiest uh, times of the season, especially for Gene Taylor, I'd imagine. Oof, I mean, man, talk about all the fall sports ending, and then basketball, and all the basketball teams heating, uh, starting to gain some traction, starting to heat up inside bramwich Coliseum. And I mean, I tell you, the first game, when the first K State basketball games, when they start popping, there's going to be a lot of people coming into bramwich It's it's going to be exciting for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the exciting things. Is you know, I think for the first time. Probably since I don't know 2018, 2019, there's some real excitement about this basketball team. But um before we get into you know what happens gonna happen this year, let's let's recap the 2021 real season real quick, John. Masso three on the clock, rejected Marquette is gonna win this one. No! In the quarter, pack travel, Miles. Three for the lead! tcu with a crazy comeback in the final seconds win it on the road in manhattan 60 to 57. the winner, kansas has its first lead since it was seven to five a classic comeback by kansas uh uh you, you know you know what let's actually just uh pretend that didn't happen um You know, we have a different coach, and that entire season is just a big what if of what series of what ifs that I don't want to get into. Um, so let's talk about the 2022 season here, John. Whole new coaching, (laughs) yeah. Our mood instantly changed for the better. Um, whole new coaching staff. Obviously, if you live under a rock, Jerome Tang is the new head coach of the men's basketball team with his big personality and all. Um, a bunch of new transfers, obviously. Almost everybody was in the portal. We have two returning players, John, Marquise Noel and Ishmael Massoud. Um, Is there anything you want to say about those two, the two returners before I get into some of the new guys coming in? Well, really um, for a player like Marquise
1: Noel, he was arguably the second best player of of last season behind Nigel Pack, who of course uh, transferred to Miami, but you know, the five foot eight guard, he's a tone setter defensively and, uh, he's never averaged less than two steals, uh, per game during his college career. Um, and he, I mean, he's, he's just lightning quick with the ball in his hands. And I mean, he'll be called to, uh, upon to be, to really make the offense more fluid, more easier for some of the high level transfers in, in the backcourt this season.
0: Yeah. And Ish returns as well. Um, did some decent stuff off the bench, you know, got some starts sometimes, I don't know. It seems kind of, it was kind of up and down for ish. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he was, when he could shoot the ball really well, it was really good, but some parts that were um not as great. So let's go ahead and get into a bunch, all these new transfers that were coming in. Let's start with the most marquee of the transfers, John Keontae right. Johnson. Uh He's, you know, he was one of the primer names to enter the transfer portal. We were able to get him here. Credit to, you know, Yurik Malagi, Jareem Dalling, Coach Tang, everything, all the great recruiting they did that entire summer to keep things interesting. Uh, he's a six-five senior transfer from Florida. Um, I'm sure, as all of you know, he had a really scary collapse in 2020 against Florida State. He um, hasn't played basketball for a year and a half, but, you know, he's recovered. He's ready to play basketball, John. I mean, the, uh, the talent is still there, even if he hasn't played basketball in a while. He's a top 70 recruit. He was the uh, SEC preseason play of the year going into 2020. Um I think he's got the ability to do great things at K State. I I definitely agree with you. I mean li- listen, if he's anywhere
1: near another uh, near of a player he was at Florida around the 2019-2020 season, I mean K State got one of the best players in the country. There there's no doubt about it. And based from what we've heard up, up his this offseason it's definitely been some good signs um, hitting heading into the season as well, but he's an explosive athlete who uses strong, uh, he has a strong frame to rebound uh, in, in traffic um, let me think he's also a trap a terrific shooter from deep who's never who really who never seems to get rattled. I mean, and then defensively his his body type allows him to guard uh, one to four one to four and re- to do it with effectiveness if Johnson's playing at a high level, he has re- really the ability to take over games and will uh, really rally has teamed to victories.
0: Yeah. I mean, 14.7 boards in the 1920 season, the last, uh, full season he played. Um, I mean, he's a really versatile guy can probably, you know, he could probably play three different positions for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think he, he's going to, I think he's really going to be the one to decide how far this team goes, John. And it's putting a lot of pressure on him, especially for somebody who hasn't, you know, hasn't played in a while but I think he's ready for it. It seems like he's really eager to, you know, play basketball. Obviously um, he's taken a bigger role as a vocal leader on this team, given all of the experience he has. And again, I mean, he's, he's a really versatile player that can kind of do it all. And I expecting big things from him this year. And really what the amount of length he has, he's a terrific rebounder uh, and
1: a go-to option uh, at the end of the games. He spent the last two seasons, of course, waiting for really an opportunity to play. So, you mentioned it. He's more than ready compared to everybody to, to take the court once again.
0: Yeah, I mean, he shoots the ball pretty well. 54% percent nineteen twenty. you know, 38% from three. So he's a real threat from, you know, if we want to go small ball, if we want to play him at the three, we can really do a lot of things with him. Um, so Keontae Johnson, I see kind of, you know, in terms of what we've seen on the court from him, he's probably the best player that we have, um, I would imagine. But we got to see it on the court, right? Because he hasn't played in a while. It may take him a while to get into in-game shape because that's just a totally environment than playing, you know, in practices or pickup games or things like that. So, you know, obviously we're going to kind of some slack in the non-con, but I imagine by the time conference play starts, he'll be, you know, in full gear, ready to go. Now let's talk about somebody who could be just as talented as Keontae Johnson, but he's kind of, he's still kind of got to put it together. Naquan Tomlin, mm-hmm. uh, 6'10 transfer from Chipola College. I mean, what a story, John. He's um, from Harlem, sure, New York. Fun didn't play high school basketball he he went to a uh, prep school in Ju- or in texas excuse me for 2 months played at a d2 juco for a year and then went to a d1 juco chipola college in florida for a couple years um you know was an honorable mention all american last year in the juco ranks he's the he was the number 7 juco prospect in the portal um and don't let his height at 6'10" fool you he describes himself as a combo guard he can dribble he has a he's got nice touch he can shoot um I mean the potential on him is unreal. He compares himself his game to Brandon Ingram or even Kevin Durant, which obviously is a pretty high phrase. But um if Coach Tang can kind of harness the talent and you know use his length on defense and rebounding, I mean the sky's the limit for Naquan Tomlin.
1: I mean, look, there there are certain guys that you're able to turn on the tape that will leave you just incredibly speechless. Uh, and just seeing some of his highlights during the pet uh, during the off season, I was, I mean, I was incredibly impressed. Despite playing for really a not, uh, despite not playing really organized basketball at high school, um, he's he's really turned himself into a legitimate NBA prospect. from 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 my beliefs, uh, at six ten with all the lengths, um, one one could one out a switchable at a defender as well um man it's just unbelievable he he has the ability uh to impact the game at every level he has excellent timing as a shot blocker and he was also a big time rebounder at the juco level too he is an absolute problem uh in the open floor when when the ball handling ability and the athleticism takes over
0: yeah, I think there was only one highlight of his in that uh, close scrimmage highlights they released. But, I mean, it was a real nice one. Does a little spin move and a good layup. Um, really impressive stuff from Naquan Tomlin. So I kind of, you know, Tomlin's got to put it together, but I could easily see him being a star on this team and putting up a lot of great numbers alongside Keontae Johnson. And then to kind of support them, it's tough to see the dynamic of this team until we see them all on the floor. But I kind of have this next set of players it's kind of just our experienced rotation guys these are transfers that are you know juniors or seniors i think most of them are seniors that you know have played on some good teams um you know and david Gassant's um chance you know, playing at virginia tech who won the acc tournament went to the ncaa tournament which is some good experience but let's start with uh taki green um you know he's not been talked about a lot um, but he's got a ton of experience. He's a senior transfer from Stony Brook. He was second team all conference in the American East, 14 points a game, which is really impressive, John. But I think what really stands out to me is shoot doing at 52% from the field, 43% from three. Um, You really like to see he's not a great free throw shooter though. Only 64% last year. And that was not a fluke. That was actually his career best. Um, So Taiki green, you know, could be one of our, you know, good secondary scorers. Um, the way I'm seeing it, he could start at first, but I'd think based on kind of the resumes, I think Desi Sills might get the start over him once he kind of gets acclimated at K State since he's only been here for a couple of weeks. But do you have anything else you want to add about Tyke Green?
1: Yeah, I, I think K State pretty, I, I would say, kind of got kind of landed a uh, a diamond in the rough. You know, he he had, he averaged 14 points That's Stony Brook, eight rebounds. Um, Could could use some shooting a little bit. Uh, work at like you said a little more progress in the shooting and um, things could work. uh, Hit uh, folding up and yeah yeah pretty much pretty much what you said overall.
0: Yeah. So speaking of Desi Sills, who I mentioned, let's go ahead and talk about him. Another experienced guard. Um, he's a lefty. Um, I don't. What's the last time we had like a rotation guy lefty? Am I am I totally blanking on someone or, I mean Thomas Gibson is the first one that comes to mind. Is there anybody else like especially a guard? I would assume it's Thomas
1: Gibson, but I could be Man, wrong. that's
0: just that's just so long ago. I mean, lefties aren't that rare. I mean, my dad's left-handed. Um, I'm
1: left-handed.
0: Oh, you're left-handed? Yeah. God, I'm oh, I I've, I've, that's probably embarrassing. I don't know that. <laughs> I guess I've never I mean, I guess we talk so we don't write a lot of stuff down we talk about we're,
1: we're 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 sports we talk about sports we yeah. don't talk about our personalities so you do
0: everything left-handed
1: uh i do everything left-handed except when i'm playing tennis i am right-handed really i'm i play tennis right-handed i play ping pong right-handed as
0: well that's interesting see mm-hmm. i i i do I, I like i like throw right-handed but i bat and like golf left-handed oh yeah um, my dad's real funky. He does everything left-handed except writes. He writes with his right hand, but does everything else with the left hand. I don't know where he got that from. And my uh, grandpa,
1: um, my grandpa, he's <laughs> ambidextrous, so he uses he uses both both, both hands. He can uh,
0: write like legibly with both hands. Yep. That is cool. Well, I the more <laughs> the more you know. Anyway, let's get back to Desi Sills here. He's a lefty. Uh, played three years at Arkansas before he transferred to Arkansas State for a season. Um, he got to K state like two weeks ago. I think he just graduated from Arkansas state and grad transferred here. He's got some catching up to do, but you know, he's been doing virtual workouts with the coaches. He's been watching practices. So he's obviously dedicated, but he'll, you know, still take a little time to um, get acclimated to the system. But I mean, this is a guy who played 30 minutes a game for Arkansas in 2019, 2020 and Arkansas is obviously nothing to you know laugh at in terms of their basketball prowess. Um, some concerns looking at the numbers, John, um, I haven't seen much of his tape, but, um, you know, his in, at, at Arkansas state, his turnovers increased to two and a half per game, which could be, you know, cause he's taking a bigger role as a ball handler there. Um, yeah. I'd imagine Marquise Noel is going to be our primary ball handler. So I'm not as concerned about that, but, um, still, and he hasn't really shot the ball. Well, you know, 45% from the field. And 25% from three last season, not great. Um, but some of the highlights, he seems like a really strong finisher, can handle the ball well. Um, I think he'll be a good, you know, slasher secondary score for this K State team.
1: I would say hitting into Arkansas State as a transfer, uh, he was handed more responsibilities, and he he, he improved in nearly every stat category. I, I'd say I'd say his biggest change uh, was on the defensive end. Uh, where he was able to get the passing lanes at a high rate and uh, get out of transition as well for the most part. He, uh, he he's also uh, a solid secondary ball handler. Uh, besides Noel,
0: yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could take some of the um, some of the like ball handling duties off the bench. You know, when Marquis Noel um, goes to the sideline and things like and, that. Um, and how know? about
1: how about how about this for a little
0: connection? Uh, two transfers. Both coming
1: from from the state of Arkansas as well, just a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but, uh,
0: yeah, I uh, mean, maybe not because you know I don't know maybe there's some sort of recruiting connection there. Um, just want to throw out, you mentioned Desi's improvement on defense. I mean, he was 1.8 steals per game at Arkansas State, so I mean he's a pickpocket guy too. You know, a little under you know uh three assists a game, so not terrible. Um, so we'll see what he does when he comes to K State. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to, um, I think who will be our primary big this season. Um, let's see if I can get this right in the first try, John, um, a or you can just call him Bebe. I, which I think,
1: I think you were on point. I, I, mean, I, I, I listened to the it.
0: pronunciation like 10 times. I had to like, get it in my ear. But I had yeah, to,
1: I had to listen to Mitch Fortner say it, uh, on his, on his, on his show a few times. And I was like, okay, Abayomi buy because I thought for a second it was a Miami a Yaiola. Yeah, a I, that, but
0: yeah, but it is th- what it is. I think everyone's just kind of been referring to him as Bebe. Um, but you know, you can call him whatever you want. Anyway, uh, 6'10 senior transfer from Hostra. Um, he's originally from Nigeria. Um, I mean, one kind of red flag that does stick out, he did suffer a knee injury in the summer of 2020 while he was at Arkansas he was out for the year so he had to transfer to Hofstra if you kind of wanted to play um you like what you see in the stats in his time at Hofstra though John 7.7 rebounds he shoots over 60% from the field and the thing that i really like John he's a good free throw shooter 76% from the line um you love to see that from a big man especially with some of the <laughs> some of the free throw shooting we've seen in recent years at case state oh man <laughs> um uh, oh, go man. Ahead. um I
1: <laughs> uh oh man, I'm a free throw shooting. Don't don't get me started. I'm a oh free throw shooting. But uh baby, um, he had a lot he's had a lot of experience at a few schools already. He played at Stetson University uh back in 2019, uh played at Arkansas as well in 2019 for 2021. Um, although he did play one just one game due to an injury. Um, but he led he led Stetson and Valley. Bel- and the um, Atlantic Sun and Atlantic Sun Conference and rebounding. Um, he would play sixty-three games as a Hatter as well. Um, definitely, I mean, but free free throws were another thing. But I mean, K-State just they they'd be lucky to even reach at six rebounds at at, at the end of the first half. Um, I I mean, we'll, we'll talk about more of the of the bigs uh, coming up, but uh, ha- having a player who's able to really average six rebounds per game um, just kind of taking half of a load. It's, it, it's, it's definitely big from, from, from seeing it from my perspective.
0: Yeah. You know, all love to Mark Smith, but it's like, you know, you don't really want to rely on your six, four guard to lead your team in rebounds. I don't know if that's exactly a recipe for success. I, I will say
1: he is, he will put an emphasis on, on, on a lot of his players. Um, he came in, he won two state championships in high school. He was part of part of a special team at Arkansas alongside with Desi Sills as well. Now, now that I'm seeing kind of a year comparisons, um, um won 21 years, 21 games at Hofstra. He he knows what it takes to be successful. Um, I I, I fully I do expect for him to uh take the next step.
0: Yeah, I do think he's a guy who can play defense pretty well, too. I mean, on some of the highlights I saw from Astray, he's a pretty decent shot blocker. Um, the stats don't show he you know, blocks a ton of shots, but I think that's something he he can uh, bring to the table. Um, I think the one concern when you just like, you know, see uh, Bebe, it's just his size. I mean, he's not the height, obviously, but the fact he's only 220 pounds, um, you'd like to see him, you know, put a little meat on the bones so he can kind of bang with some of the. The bigs that are a part of the Big Twelve, the best conference in college basketball,
1: and you know, for with Jerome Tang having that big background with Baylor, I mean, he has been accustomed to having a lot of bigs um, that were able to make a a tremendous impact uh, on that roster. And you know, looking at K states situation last year, I mean, it was it was really it was it was really bad. I mean, K State needed experience and more depth in the low post. And I, I think for the most part, he gives a, he gives K-State both. He also, see, I mean, and just to go along with big, dang, I just kind of lost track of what I was going to say. But um, overall, the experience of Medef would be really, is really what, what will make him thrive more at K-State compared to what we've seen uh, over the past few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jerome Tang's coming from a Baylor who had some of the best, like, two, you know, big-man duo in the country and Jonathan Chambachachua. Man, yep. I just said that right in the first try. You, just you look at the right. I'm on one today. And Flo Thamba. I mean, those dudes just killed K-State. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's a reason we lost to them by, you know, 50 in 2020. And then, you know, they beat us pretty bad in one game. Um, they kept it, we kept it pretty close. Thanks to Nigel Pack. And, but we're not here to recap 2021. Anyway, point being should see some much better um, big man play this year. And a lot of it will be thanks to the likes of Bebe. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to another forward here. Not quite as tall, but we'll still add um, some help. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, David Gasson, the N is silent. Um, if you look at his name, uh, he's a six, nine, four. He's originally from the Netherlands. Uh, he played two seasons at Virginia Tech before joining the Tang Gang. Uh, played 14 minutes a game for a Virginia Tech Virginia Tech team uh, that won the ACC tournament, got into the NCAA tournament. Um, that's the kind of experience that I think we're looking for on this team. Um, the stat there's not much to really go off of of the stats. There's you know nothing too impressive, but I think he'll be a good rotation piece off the bench. Uh, and and again another
1: another interesting connection that I found out earlier um you got two you got two former ACC forwards um, with David Engaston from Virginia Tech and Ish Masood, who previously came from Wake Forest but um, I was I I was told from one of a one of the basketball managers um the staff had a big reaction when it came to getting David Engaston I think he brings a significant college experience uh, after having played all but one game at Virginia Tech, and really while doing it at a program that values winning, I mean, um, for the most part, um, like all like all the players on um, the roster, he is not only a talented basketball player, but um, he he provides a lot of quality. Which um, when it comes to the family aspect, like he is going to take a big. Uh, he's going to take a big role for the, for the roster. Um, he came into the bench. He came off a bench, excuse me, in all 36 games for Virginia tech ranking second among reserves at 13 minutes per game. Uh, let me see. He, sh- he scored in 26 games, including a pair of double digit scoring games, uh, including a career high 15 points on a perfect seven, seven shooting, uh, in the c- season opener against Maine. So, um, the potential is there. Uh, he aver he averaged point th- uh, seven points on um, forty eight point six percent. So maybe could see a little bit more from a shooting perspective. Um, and he uh, and he'll average point uh, three steals in thirteen point four minutes per game. So uh, definitely another quality floor to add, especially given how low how low K State was uh, on that last season.
0: Yeah, so the people we've kind of talked about alongside Marquise Noel and Ishmarsud, the eight guys. Um, so Keontae Johnson and Naquan Tomlin are the two big transfers to to know, I think. And then Tyke Green, Desi Sills, um, Bebe, uh, and David Gasson. Those are kind of in, alongside um, Noel and Masud are kind of going to be the, ma- I-, I imagine, the main eight, um, the hateful eight, if you might say, for um, this uh, K-State squad. And then I think the rest of the names we're going to talk about here, are kind of, you know, some people who will get some minutes every now and then, especially this first guy we're going to mention. But um, I think they're going to be kind of, I, I put the categories, high upside youngsters. Um, so people who are kind of projects. And I think, you know, a couple of them are transfers, a couple of them are recruits. Um, and I think they'll get there, you know, maybe next year, but they'll probably, I think now it's not exactly their time. So let's start with Jarrell Colbert. He was one of the first people to transfer to K-State. Um, high upside guy, highly recruited. Um 6'11 transfer from LSU. Um, he only played one season so far. He didn't play that much, just uh, kind of an investment um for the future of tank Squad. Um, one thing to note is I think we didn't talk about this for Baba, but uh last year at Hofstra, he only averaged 20 minutes a game. Um, I don't know if that was because of his knee. Um, so maybe he'll take a bigger role this year in terms of minutes. Um, but I think there's definitely some minutes there for Jarrell Colbert to get in some time at the five. Um, because I don't know, you know, what uh tank substitution patterns are going to be. If we're gonna go small ball every once in a while, um, I think I wouldn't be opposed to doing a small ball thing. I don't know how Naquan Tomlin feels playing like a four or even a five, but mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll kind of play that all by ear. But the point being, there's some there's some minutes for Jerell Colbert to get in there and show us what he can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't get the most amount of playing time at LSU. He only played four of LSU's first 10 games of the 2021 season. Um, averaged 6.6 minutes per game. He scored his first collegiate points in the opener against Louisiana Monroe, uh, posting two rebounds and a block shot as well in just over nine minutes of action. So uh, let me think. He also had a block and a steal in two other games. So uh, his defensive his defensive prowess will will come into play. Um, that's that's for certain, um, and really just another Ford who's able to make a lot of um, trim, a lot of big plays.
0: Yeah, I think he could be a key piece. You know, he maybe could you know play himself into a bigger role um, as we go along in the season. But we'll obviously um, have to see it on the court. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next guy here, Anthony Thomas. Um, he was the last scholarship addition uh, to K-State is a 6-7 sophomore transferring from Tallahassee Community College also spent a season at UT Martin um, he was the second leading scorer on his team last season 11 points a game but the shooting numbers aren't really that great 42 percent from the field 55 percent from the free throw line that mm-hmm. is a big yikes but um, I don't see him getting a ton of minutes this season I think he's kind of like the 10th guy but um, you know hopefully you know getting in the uh, getting some shots up at the you know ice basketball center, um, you know, and hopefully he can be a, a better player for K State and get a bigger role down the road. I I think
1: the coaching staff has really made this emphasis on on getting guys that have a have a great size and a great skill set um, that are able uh, for their sakes to help grow into a productive player once. When once when he gets around the staff, the, the players, and uh, getting getting him getting onto campus and um, seeing how things will settle from there. But he enjoyed a productive 2021-22 season uh, at Tallahassee, uh, which boosted seven seven Division one signees as well. That's something I didn't notice as well. Hmm. Um, but he ranks second at, uh, for the Eagles in scoring, eleven points per game. Uh, while while he was third in field goals, uh, and and uh, let me think, he was also third in three point field goals as well as well, and also rebounding as well. So um, scored double double figures in fifteen games, which included eight games of fifteen or more points. Um, I mean, you also had three 20 put outings as well. so um, it, it, he he has the ability to score at times, but um, you know, we it, it's all really going to determine once when he takes the court as kind of a division one i mean it, it, it's going to be really the case with a lot of the players who are going to be coming from uh, a different from a different league whether it's the uh, goes or or in the or in taj manning or dorian Finister's case for their first year so um just stuff like that um no, don't really have too much else to say, but I think, I think this is really a good way to cap off, but uh, cap off a roster once when we landed him.
0: Yeah. I think it was, it was a nice last addition. Um, he's definitely not going to be third in field goals or, you know, third and three pointers attempted on this team. So he's got to make his shots count um, when he does get some playing time. Let's go ahead and move on to the last transfer before we talk about a couple Um, 2022 recruits, Cam Carter, if I'm not mistaken, was he the first um transfer to come in? I believe he was the second okay. Jarrell was the, colbert was the Jarrell first colbert was the, okay. I wasn't yeah, I knew they were the first two. I wasn't sure which was first, but uh Cam Carter, six three transfer from Mississippi State. Um, kind of a similar thing to Jarrell Colbert. You know, he played his high school ball at Oak Hill Academy, which I mean, if you're vaguely familiar with high school basketball, should be a familiar um high school to you. Tons of famous people have come from there. Um, he only played one season at Mississippi State, three more years of eligibility didn't play a ton, eight and a half minutes a game, but you know, another, you know, big, I think he was a top 150 guy. Um, just tons of upside, you know, we'll see what he can do down the future, uh, down the road in the future. You know, maybe he'll get a few opportunities this season.
1: Yeah. And for the most part, Carter showed flashes of of really being a spark off the bench at Mississippi state. Uh, he was a top 100 recruit out of high school that can either play on or off the ball. Um, let me see here. Yeah. He, he averaged 2.1 points on 38.5%. So not the prettiest numbers, but he was limited at times, um, considering that he was on the bench, but all four of his starts came in as he play. He, as he played in 14 of the 18 conference games, I uh, averaged 1.8 points on 29% shooting uh, including a 23 point, uh, including a 23% uh, from three point range as well. So um not 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 the worst addition or not i mean not the best i mean <laughs> i i i don't know i um but uh it, it was a it was a big addition especially when you needed a little more clearance um i mean you already had two players and i mean he getting cam carter was right up a night of getting jarell colbert so i was pretty much i wouldn't consider it a package but like landing those next two really um solidified where K-State was going when it came to landing some more players on their roster.
0: Yeah, I definitely set the tone. You're realizing that we could get top 150 guys. Um, I mean, I think Tang kind of alluded to in media days that, you know, he could, he could get, you know, five stars and all these, you know, top 50 guys if he wanted to. But I don't think any of those kind of guys are the right fit for K-State and the mm-hmm. type of culture that they're trying to build. Um, and I think that goes for football as well. Those are, those just aren't the type of guys who come through Manhattan, Kansas. You really got to be a hard worker and you got to love the, you know, the family environment and the culture that's place as anyway, speaking of recruiting, let's talk about the two 2020, 2022 recruits that came in this season. Um, only two of them. Let's talk about the one that uh, Jerome Tang recruited first, Dorian Finister, um, you know, late add to the 2022 class. He's from new Orleans um you know he was praised by tang at big 12 media days but you know we probably won't see a ton of playing time this season um he we saw some good highlights of him um on that close scrimmage against southern illinois but um you know i think the the jury will still be out on dorian finister for a little while he might be he's apparently he's one of the best dunkers on the team though so i think
1: i think he i think for the most part he can develop into an outstanding player it's just going to take some time and really it all starts with him being uh well a, one of a quality men and uh, on the team and you know Jerome Tang uh and, and his staff it's all going to be the family and the culture but um during his career at Carver uh, Finister averaged 12.7 points on 63 uh, percent shooting including 48 percent from three-point range as well so um a part of a highly successful Carver program, which posted, I believe, an 88-16 record while he was there and advanced to three consecutive state championships. Um, I mean, that is that is very impressive. Um, he he ranked second on the Rams in nearly every category uh, to his teammate, um, Solomon Washington, who was, who's, I believe, on te- on Texas A&M's uh, roster right now. Um, but he scored nearly 500 points, averaging 12.2 points, uh, points, uh, and 56.4% shooting from the field. So, I mean, K-State's getting a complete baller offensively, um, without a doubt.
0: I mean, the dude's a winner. I mean, I think that's what, one of the things you like to see coming out of high school too. He knows how to win, you know, mm-hmm. he's a competitor. He's on a team that's been successful. Um, that's definitely something you like to see in a high school recruit. Um, let's talk about the last guy on this roster. Um, but, uh, last scholarship player on the roster, I should say, um, Taj Manning who we talked about, you know, late in 2021, cause he's a Weber Bruce Weber recruit, um, yep. from the Casey area, you know, props to Taj Manning for sticking around by the way, as well. You know, um, when Bruce Weber retired, you know, it would have been pretty easy just to you know, decommit and look somewhere else, but he stuck around, you know, he's obviously bought into what Tang, um, is about. So, um, you know, same kind of deal with Dorian, Dorian Finister, you know, um, a lot of praise from Tang at big 12 media day, but you know, another guy that, you know, may take a year or two before we see him making a big impact on the court. So Manning,
1: he was highly recruited, uh, out of, out of high school. He had a lot of success at blue, uh, Bush and mage. Sorry about that. I in Grandview as well. So a lot of connections in the KC Metro, um, led Bush and mage to a state championship at one point. Um, then he moved over to, uh, Laportes, Indiana, um, he he is an absolute stud just looking at some of his highlights. Um, I definitely say from my opinion, it was, it was just probably more of a sigh of relief that he decided to remain committed to K-State, even with all the fiasco that took place during the off season.
0: Yeah. Especially considering the amount of people that, you know, left who were, you know, on K-State. So, you know, props to Taj Manning for sticking around and we're really glad to have him. So um, hopefully now that you've heard, you know, this part of the, of the pod. We, we went through every single, you know, new transfer that's come in and talked a little bit about them. So if you're a little bit more familiar with this team, because I think it's going to be tough at first, because you've got, you know, like 11 new guys on this team that you're going to have to get used to seeing and used to knowing who they are and how they play. So, um, but Keontae Johnson, Naquan Tomler are the two big guys, I'm going to keep my eyes on because um, if they can play well and be stars and you know be some of the top players in the big 12, this team could go, Uh, this team can go a lot farther than last place in the big 12 i'll say that Um, i know i
1: know what you were trying to trying to go with there (laughs) um but um just looking at some of the pieces i mean it'll, it'll take time for them to to get used to get used to each other um just really settling on the court meshing things all together um but there is no doubt this team can compete at the highest level, especially competing in in really the highest, I mean, in the best conference that is the big 12. I mean, um, when you're able to, when you're able to drum tank, uh, put this into a perspective from a big 12 perspective, The reason why um, not only did he decide to take the K state job, but he's getting racking up some uh, more of these recruits is that he's putting a strong emphasis that the big 12 is, the best conference in college basketball.
0: Yeah, definitely. John, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll talk about the our projections for the starting five, t- what the schedule looks like, and then uh answer some big questions. And we're back, John, continuing our basketball preview for this upcoming 2022-23 season. Tons to talk about with all these new players here, including what our starting five could look like, because it's definitely going to be a lot different uh, from last year. So, John, I'm just going to redo what I think um, the starting five may be. Uh, maybe not to start the season, but I think once we get into the swing of things, um, I think this will probably be the starting five. I got Marquise Noel and Desi Sills at the one and two, and then Keontae Johnson, Naquan Tomlin, and then Bebe Igiola. Um I think the only one that's really um, in contention is probably Desi Sills to Tyke Green. Um, I think I think Flando kind of mentioned this when he was talking with Scott on their pod a couple of weeks ago. I think Tyke Green maybe will get the start early on in the season, um, since Desi Soto is probably still taking some time to get acclimated to KC. He just got here a couple of weeks ago and hasn't been practicing yeah. with the team, um. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know. Ishmael could get, you know, some starting time. I mean, I I know Jerome Dang will definitely not be afraid to mess with the starting lineup. And if somebody's playing well or if somebody's playing poorly, you know, take them out of the starting lineup and give somebody else some more minutes because this is a talented roster.
1: Yeah. And I think pointing out on Desi Sales, I think it, I think for his sake, it's going to take a little bit of time to settle on campus and more so with the team since. Um, he, I mean, he just got here. So, and, and, and also, he, to a lesser extent, he, he, he made it official about a week or two ago. Um, but I, I think you got the starting five pretty much pinned down. Um, and and like you said, Tiger Green, Desi Sills, Fails um, will probably switch, uh, flipped in a way, like rotating wise. I think maybe you can make the case for Cam Carter as well. Um, Looking at some of the other positions, I think Bebe Iziola, I think he is probably more ready uh, out of the out of the bigs. Um, so I I think for the most part you've pinned them down. I mean, of course, pretty much the three highlighted players that uh, we've looked at: Marquis Snowell, Keontae Johnson, and Naquan Tomlin. I think I mean you would have to have those three on, and that probably I mean if you have three, if you have three of those three of those players, I mean uh, you probably have Bebe Iziola, um along with a desi sales that's probably the best roster I and mean, best lineup you're gonna get on, uh, on the court
0: yeah I mean you know once Desi sales kind of you know gets some practices in, attends the you know the Sunday dinners and gets his his butt whooped in ping pong by coach Malagi and coach Tang a couple times I think he'll fit right in and get into that starting spot um it's a whole other conversation how they're kind of based on what we kind of know about their play how they're going to interact on the court. Um, But I mean, if you look at some of the rotation guys on the bench, um, you know, Ishma Sood, David Gasson, um, Gerald Colbert, Anthony Thomas, you know, Cam Carter's in the mix as well in the two 2022 recruits, but that's still a pretty solid uh, bench. You know, Ishma Sood can definitely be your, you know, your spot up shooter off the bench. Um, You know, maybe he could be a stretch five if we want to do something like that. You know, David Gasson could be the four or the five, depending on what you need. Um, Jarrell Colbert will obviously get some minutes in there too. So this is a really like long team, um, off the bench. And then Taiki green is, I think I see as our main, you know, our sixth man or Desi sales, depending on, you know, what they want to do there as our, kind of our sixth man and our secondary score when, you know, um, Keontae Johnson or Naquan Tomlin, or even Marquise Noel, um, need a breather for a little bit. So I think Taiki green and, you know, uh, people like that will be uh, key scores in those kind of filler uh, minutes of the first and second half.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I I couldn't agree more than what you just said. I think Tiger Green, I mean, for for early for the early portion of the season, um, um we'll we'll expect him to get some um more reps um uh, with the starting possession. Um but I, I think ultimately just going back to my point and your point as well, we're gonna see more from Desi Sells um later on with the lineup.
0: Yeah. Now that we've kind of covered what we think the starting five is going to be in kind of the rotation, let's talk about the schedule um, a little bit. You know, we open up with our, our exhibition with our good friends, the Washburn Ichabods. Um, that's going to be I think it's going to be one of the more probably the most hyped up exhibition games we've had in a while. Just to see this team together um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a ton of fun. But I mean, overall, kind of big picture, John, you look at the um, the non-con schedule. There aren't a ton of games where you think like, well, we're losing that game. You know, I think most of these games are fairly winnable. You know, we're our our um power five teams are playing. We're playing at Cal. Cal is trash. Um, I think you said they were a D three school basketball school. D three. I mean, no, just a D three school. <laughs> oh, just in general, guys, just a D three school. Have,
1: they have all these all the big arenas, but they're incredibly low on depth to where to to D three levels, and on top of that. Uh, that their programs have been piss poor nobody cares about f- sports in Northern California. Um, But yeah. look, look, look at some of the other teams. I mean, Rhode Island, they're, they're going to be no slouch. I think Archie Miller coaches, he coaches at Rhode Island, I believe. And then Tulane, um, um, Tulane's going to have some pretty good players. I do recall, and I believe Joe Lenardi's bracketology or it's one of a bracketologists, um, but he did have Tulane in the, in the in the bubble watch um they're gonna have a, a few good ross players on the roster this year as well um i'd probably say like the two main headliners for k-state's uh, schedule in terms of what will really boost their resume of course will be the challenge matchups. And what you got butler uh in late november over at Henkel Fieldhouse. house uh man i would love nothing more to avenge the 2009 loss <sighs> um and then on top of that, an man, and then on <laughs> top of that, you got uh, Florida on January 28th during the, in the mix of a conference basketball season. Um, but you get Florida, you get Keontae Johnson playing his old team, and uh, you get Todd Golding as well, who was who led a really good San Francisco team into the NCAA tournament. So um, a lot of interesting things there. I mean, you also got Wichita State and Manhattan. That's always fun. That last year's game really lived up to the hype. Uh, and and then on top of that, you got Nebraska uh, and the T-Mobile Center as well. So um, a little bit of a, a pretty entertaining schedule, but in a and a few and a lot of games in which K-State can can really uh, cl- clear up, and a lot of games that K-State can win.
0: Yeah, that Florida game on January twenty eighth is going to be a ton of fun. Battle between two first year coaches, and um, or with their new teams at least, and then you know Keontae Johnson playing against his old team a ton of fun yeah you've got your butlers in your wichita states and your Nebraskas at the t-mobile center which will be a ton of fun um but yeah, i mean well, you also got uh let me see i think you oh, got and the cayman of, island classic obviously yep yeah,
1: yeah you're playing rhode island and became an islands classic and if you win your first two games uh you have a sh- you have an all likelihood shot of playing lsu in the championship um which is a possibility as well um look i mean look some of the other Outside stuff I was looking at, you got three you got three mid-majors from the state of Texas you're playing with UTRGV to start the, start the season. You got Abilene Christian, who was most famously known for beating Texas uh, two years back. I mean, you got Incarnate Word as well. Um, yeah, every shot I'm going to take <laughs> at Texas. I, that You got to do it. You got to strike when the iron pot is hot. Of course. What, what they all say. Um, but l- listen, there, there's – that the non-conference schedule sets up in a good way for K-State, um, but it leads to what everybody considers not only the best conference, but in your my your eyes and my eyes, a double-sided sword in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know how you see this. I can't imagine, even with our first-year coach and all these new players, I, I I think it'd be tough to go into conference play with more than like two losses. Mm-hmm. You maybe drop one in the Cayman Islands. You lose to Butler. You know, if you beat Butler, maybe you just drop a game to Nebraska for some reason. I don't not, know. I don't see many more than two losses that we listen.
1: we, with all due respect to Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska had no business in beating us last year and they're going to have no business beating us. Well, didn't Kansas. we beat them last year? Huh? Didn't we yeah, beat we, them last year? Yeah. We went to Lincoln and beat, and yeah. beat Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. So stuff like that. I, I mean, I, I probably but two losses. that you could probably take our Butler in Florida. Um, yeah, and, may, and maybe to a lesser extent, Wichita State as well, depending on how on how their lineup is shaken up to be. I mean, I know Wichita State's been in a little bit of turmoil post Greg Marshall era, um, and and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, you, I mean for Butler and Florida, I mean those are those are not those are tough matchups, but those are ones by case they can compete in and uh if if winning they could get a big boost when it comes to um their strength of schedule and maybe maybe ncaa tournament chances maybe yeah
0: maybe. definitely and uh, our last non-con opponent before we start you know we played florida in the middle of conference play but i'm not like counting that kind of our last non-con game before conference play is against radford which, uh, I had no clue what a Radford was. So that, I looked uh, it up.
1: Uh, Islanders.
0: Yeah. They're a school in Virginia. Um, they're actually the number one nursing school in the state of Virginia. Um, Plus so
1: bagpipes.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, Marty Smith, the ESPN guy, he Is graduated, he, from he went to graduated from Radford. So wow, just, he's a notable alumni. So I just thought, you know, I'd point that out. Um, John, um, I know this is gonna be shocking and kind of jarring for K State fans, but um we open conference play at home. Um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of crazy. It's well, just, I mean I, I mean the ba-
1: I mean basketball, we're accustomed yeah. to stuff like that. Yeah, really, I mean we we've seen like throughout some of the years, like we always start conference play, whether it's home or on the road, against West
0: Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, West I'm Virginia super. was our second game last year. We Morgantown under yep.
1: Jermaine Henderson as the head coach
0: and that crazy white boy hit a bunch of threes. What's that? What was that dude's name? He hit a uh, bunch of threes against us. And then, uh, and then he played that crap when he came to Bramlage and we ended up beating him on Valentine's day. But, like uh, it. anyway, we don't need to talk about the 2021 season. Um, we open up play at home against West Virginia, former head K state head coach, Bob Huggins. Um, it's also Lego day. So I don't know what that's going to entail. But that'll be maybe, fun.
1: Maybe we can uh build Lego bricks uh around around the rim. And every yeah, time whenever a player misses, we all yell
0: brick. Yeah, we lay a brick down and then we sing brick house. Um, yes, sir. That's all right. right. I mean games of note, obviously. Um, you know, drum tang returns to baylor January seventh. Um, that's gonna be a fun one. Uh we play KU pretty early in the season. We play him, you know by the end of feb by the end of january we'll have already played ku twice and um, we start at home january 17th and uh, we play head to allen fieldhouse on january 31st
1: january 17th i believe that's when all the students come back to campus so um uh, poss- possibly barely the, the right timing i guess i mean i would have had love to have it a little more earlier than that uh, sandwiched in sandwiched in those ku games i mean the the florida game as well Um, But you also got Texas Tech at home uh, and you also got Iowa State and Ames as well. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough slate. And I mean, even before the first KU game, you got to go to Fort Worth and face a much improved TCU team uh, who will definitely from a lot of the media, um, they'll be making a lot of noise this season as well.
0: Yeah. Kind of how I see it based on what we kind of can expect from the teams this season, the other teams in the big 12, obviously every game in the big 12 is tough. It's been said a million times, but I see our schedule is pretty front loaded. Um, our last, you know, few games are, I think are less difficult than our first few games. And we were at Texas at Baylor, you know, at TCU. And then we play KU twice in two weeks, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to end the season, you know, we get, you know, Oklahoma at home, we get Baylor at home, Iowa state at home. And then we play Oklahoma twice near the end of the season at Oklahoma state. Those are tough games, but they're more winnable, um, than some of the games we have earlier on the season. So Mm -hmm. maybe, and you know, it's, uh, we can do the opposite of, or, you know, be a little different of last year and kind of finish strong at big 12 play. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I see the schedule playing out. If you have anything else to add John.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say probably uh one one, two, three, four. Yeah, four four out of the four out of a six games on the schedule. Um uh, K State will be playing against some of a uh, some of a bottom dwell, some of the bottom dwellers um, from last year. Oklahoma barely missed out on an NCAA tournament. Iowa State um, looked really good in the non comp, but they they kind of struggled undefeated in the non comp. <laughs> Yeah, undefeated noncon. You got Oklahoma State, who will be bouncing back from, an, uh, from a postseason ban last season. I don't even know if they would have still made the tournament if, if that ban was lifted, but I guess it would have been maybe, close. That might, might have been a mo- motivation factor in some of those games as well. And then, of course, you got West Virginia. And uh, I mean, I, I, as much as I hate to say this, um, to espe- especially to a former K State coach, I think personally, this is going to be Bob Huggins' final year. Uh, I mean bold it prediction is, it Help. is not it is not panning out at West Virginia over the past few years um the fans are the fans are Well, the fans especially they just hate their athletic department right now with the way their football team's trending but um I mean we've seen throughout the past four to five years West Virginia has been on the bottom in the bottom of the big twelve and um we'll we'll see how they're able to um able to get things settled uh, on the court. I mean, they did bring in a few transfers in this season, but I don't know. I'm just not, I just haven't been seeing it from West Virginia this year and the fans haven't really either, but um, yeah, uh, their last great,
0: their last great season was 2017, 2018, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, which was a really great season. They've been ranked a few times. I mean, they were decent, I guess in 2020, 2021, but you know, that's, that's COVID. So um you know bob huggins 69 years old getting kind of up there uh yeah who who knows that's a bold prediction we'll see what happens john we'll see what happens um so moving on here i've got a few questions that i think will kind of pose um let's start with this a little bit somewhat basketball related but not exactly on the court related but what kind of home court advantage will k-state have this season especially compared to last year with some um, You know, some pretty poor attendance, Um, you know, the West Virginia game on Valentine's Day comes to mind where the student section was like what half full and then the rest of the crowd was very, very sparse. Um, the, the, it was
1: the student section was halfway full to the point where you and I were able to get on ESPN multiple times.
0: Yeah, they didn't if they if they didn't show us then like it would have been pretty bad. Um, I went to the Baylor game with my, uh, my parents. That game was pretty rough in terms of every game besides the KU game was really, um, I think after the KU game, especially people really gave up on the season. They, it didn't really matter what they did Um, after seeing a collapse like that against your arch rival. um, That's just kind of a, the nail in the coffin. But I mean, everything that coach Tang has done, you know, um, in terms of getting star players in the transfer portal, to you know every all the extracurricular stuff he's done as a head coach to you know what the first week he got hired you know making a video for the student section um you know wanting to have them at games and getting loud to his nailing his introductory press conference to all the hang with tangs and the get to know you jengas, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know all the other you know how he presented himself at big 12 media day um he's constantly talked about you know how crazy the uh, we are as fans which we are um and creating that home court advantage. I think we're going to get it this year and not just KU games. We might and get think, against Washburn.
1: Oh, not, not even Washburn either. It's an in-state rival of ours. <laughs> it's an in-state uh, rival. Gotta, <laughs> um, but I mean, there, there's, there's definitely a lot more excitement what, for, for really K-State basketball compared to what we've seen over the past few years. And um, make no mistake, the Bruce Weber years, was was some of the best in K-State history um but as the years started to go on the excitement wasn't there it was just kind of dwindling down the drain in which we were seeing not I mean like a quarter of the student section at one point during but during some of the games in December so um uh I'll, I'll take that I'll take that um some of those memories in, ingrained um but get but this year especially I mean pointing out like, not only with the hanging hang with tangs, I mean, the press conference, those are great. He also rallies the student section during uh before football games, like, he goes on the visiting bleach uh, sideline bleachers and he just pumps up the students like that. He, he helps out, he does the Wabash cannonball, uh, at times when it went up there too. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more thing. Oh, and on top of that, he he allowed some of the he is he allowed the students. Uh, to join in on the team intro that's going to be coming out uh, during the during the basketball season as well. So um, just stuff like that, especially him uh, connecting more with not only his players but the student body, knowing that it it has a lot of potential. Like we have seen the KU game. Heck, I'll I'll mention the Marquette game as well. I mean, they, these are these are students that are hungry for basketball. Historically, we are also a basketball school. And being being in the Big 12, you're gonna have a lot of exciting matchups um that you would want to have um uh that you would have that you would want to have students not only not only students but have everybody um come fill fill in for the arena as well. And I should mention as well, um it may it may help a little more. Uh man, I can't believe I'm saying this. It may help with the with the uh uh but the size of arena kind of declining a little bit because they are going to add some more, uh, booths, um, as well, uh, as well. I mean, that's, that's almost done, but kind of a cool feature as well, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing all, all the sold out crowds early on in the season. I think Jerome Tang and his staff are going to, are going to really, um, showcase, um, just rallying everybody together and which, Really the fan base, you could say under Bruce Weber has been really divided, but um I'm just happy to see what, what's happening around the basketball team. Uh, and for the, for the fans' sakes, so I'm looking forward to seeing some more crowded mat- games in a, in a more uh, crowded Bramlage yeah. college. You
0: know? I mean, coach Tang is embracing the octagon of doom, uh, octagon of doom nickname for Bramlage. You know, he's trying to bring back the player dance, the tunnel dances which will be, mm-hmm. I heard Naquan Tomlin is going to lead those. That's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really, really excited for the intro yeah. video too. We had the, I mean, I was at the big 12 tournament, John. I saw every team's intro video. K States was the best by far. Like Cody is I think he made the intro him and Preston probably both helped out. It's it was the best. Like it's, I don't think it was even that close. There were some, you know, what? I'm just, you talked about how bad West Virginia their football program is. I don't know what their intro video was for men's basketball. They didn't have a single like in-game clip. It was just like, they're in like this warehouse dunking on like a $200 hoop. You buy a Dick's sporting goods. Anyway, that's besides the point. Anyway, we have the best fan experience in the big 12. Our social team is just on, un- on match. So I'm really it excited. It is unmatched. I mean, I'm excited for the intro video this year.
1: I mean, I mean, we, we both work for HD TV, and every time when I go in there, I, I go into the editing room. I see some of the guys working on those videos for, for a long amount of time, whether it's four to five hours. I mean, they just kill it. And seeing some of the effects that come out during the video, it just it just amazes me how um, how really
0: organized and how
1: professional uh, everything looks.
0: Yeah, the fact that students are able to get involved and help with that stuff is great as well. And there's so many talented people who, who work at K-State. But anyway um anyway what you know to answer the question it's going to be a big home court advantage i'd imagine this season with the amount of hype um i just hope it can stay that way i hope we do well in conference play, or in non-con play to set ourselves up for these sellout games during conference play
1: and i think it might slow down a little bit during, around december since it's the holiday break you'll see students gone but i mean like like, like i mentioned in this, uh, on the schedule i mean but for the first day the students come back i mean ku's coming into town as well which I mean, that'd be, oh, that'd be some serious timing right there. With, I cannot wait. Now. I can't wait. I can't wait either, man. It's going to be, I mean, it, I mean, we've seen, we've seen crowds against KU when which they were all sold out. I mean, we're going to see more, more of these games uh, now with Jerome Tang and company against um, facing some of the bigger teams in the big 12 as well.
0: Yeah. And it's especially going to be fun when Baylor comes to Bramlage, you know, to see Tang and Scott Drew, um, going, you know, battling against each other. Um, his rivals is going to be a ton of fun to see in person. Um, let's go ahead and move on to this next big question I have here. Um, it's a little more, it's a lot more on the court related. Uh, what kind of role will Marquise Noel take on the court this year? Um, because he's kind of got a lot, he's got a lot of, you know, um, I don't want to say egos because that kind of has a negative connotation to manage. He's got a lot of mouths to feed because I think he's kind of the main facilitator for this team. I'd imagine he's going to lead the team and assists. Um, but I would say sometimes last year, you know, it was a different team last year, but when things weren't going that well, I think Marquise Noel would kind of resort to hero ball. Um, where he would, you know, he could make a lot of deep threes. And that's, you know, that's kind of becoming a part of people's game. As you see, you know, the Steph Curry's and Trey Young's doing stuff like that. But I think a lot of them were kind of ill-advised, um, mm-hmm. especially when you had a guy like Nigel Pack on the team. But anyway, I think he'll be our primary, primary ball handler this year. But kind of to what extent? Because um, he's obviously, he he's going to want to get his own in terms of scoring as well. But um, I'm just kind of, I'm I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what kind of role he's going to take um, being the primary ball handler for this K-State team with so many new faces. Well,
1: one of the things that I've learned is that sometimes the hardest player to, the uh, hardest players to protect the ball against are, are the smallest. And, you know, Noel is going to use his size um, really to his advantage, I believe by getting underneath some of the offenses uh, and poking the ball loose. I mean, he, um, for the most part, he is going to be really the defensive threat. Um, I mean, but 2022 Big 12 all all defensive team will speak for itself. Um, I think I think he's definitely going to uh, reach to some of those expectations like he did last season as well. Now, offensively, he's going to rely on on a lot of tough angles, deep threes, um, really because of his size. But despite uh, but despite this, always finds a way to make an impact and with multiple 20 plus games last season i mean he he has the ability to change the game by himself
0: yeah definitely and then um the final big question i kind of have here um we finally see some quality big man play this year um we talked about it a lot last year how like you know the development of k-state bigs was just kind of non-existent during the Bruce Weber era. That's um, obviously the jury is still out. So we'll see what happens with the likes of, you know, Bebe, David uh, Gassan, and Jarrell Colbert. But I think these are already guys who are kind of, you know, they're already um, solid bigs just as they are anyway. And I think we'll be able to see some, you know, some good defense and some, I don't know, maybe some post play. I mean, who knows? <laughs> but we want to see Casey Ezie-A go, you know, love him. I think, is he at UTSA now or is that somebody else? uh i think that was uh lingard but anyway all love to casey iziegu but uh it's uh i think it'll be a it'll be refreshing to see some um some new faces for uh big men at k-state
1: like as as much as i i I don't want to think back to a 2021 season more than you do we could not get a rebound for our life oh my gosh the game that really that really like that was on on the tipping point on which Okay, this is definitely not going to work, especially with the bigs, is when you get out rebounded 45 to 22 uh, on your home court against KU. I mean, KU really good last season, especially when their bigs needed to step up. But it was 45, 22. You just can't do that. And David Davion Bradford had a tough time. KZ Ziegou. He just wasn't really built up to be a division, I mean, a power five player, if I'm going to have to be honest. Like, he had some strong flashes early on in a non-conference play, but it just didn't pan out from there. Um, I think already you're going to see Jarrell Colbert and Bebe Ijeola really make make an impact on the court uh, to start for K-State.
0: Yeah, uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, we're lucky that game was even close. Honestly, we should have. I mean, if we didn't shoot like sixty five percent from the field in the first half, we would have just gotten smoked because we could not rebound the ball to save our lives. Um, anyway, um, let's kind of let's do some predictions here because obviously we're projected to finish last. Um, I don't think we're gonna finish last. I don't think um, so either. I yeah, uh, I, I yeah, obviously. I mean, if we projected K State to finish last, that we we would just retire. Um, are they going to finish third or second? Probably not. But, um, I think this team can go 500 in big 12 play. I think that's totally reasonable. And if you go 500 big 12 play, you're probably, you know, fifth, sixth, um, and you're definitely making the tournament. I mean, if we have, if we say we have two losses, um, from non-con, you know, that's, you know, what, 11 losses, what we're like 21 and 11. I don't know how many, exactly how many games they play, but that's a tournament team in the big 12. And I think it's a, I don't think we're even maybe we're a bubble team, but, um, I think that's a pretty solid, you know, you're probably like an eight seed or something, um, coming into the tournament with a record like that. And that's a hell, that's a amazing first year. That'd be, I mean, that'd be the
1: year. I mean, that really intensified Jerome Tang's day in Manhattan was, would be definitely, but the beginning of what could be something bigger. Um, but looking at the Big 12, I mean, two of the teams that I'm just going to put out there, West Virginia, I'm not expecting too many high things from them. And I don't know, I think some other school, but let, let me put this into a different perspective, kind of dating back towards March and April. You would anticipate a team that only had Marquise Noel and Ish Massoud and some other guys of which K-State would have been able to get, I didn't think would be able to pan out on the court. I didn't think K-State was going to be at the position where they're at right now, but with all that being said, K-State has all the talent here. And especially when you uh, have the likes of Naquan Juan and Keontae Johnson on your squad. I mean, that could do, they could do some serious damage um, just just really being an ultimate power play for the squad um, moving forward. I think K-State, has a strong opportunity to maybe, I mean, the the jury's still out on, on the NCAA tournament chances. I'm not really for one sold on it. I don't think it's going to be like TJ Olsenberger and Iowa state from last season. Um, But I think there's still a strong shot that K-State not only does not finish last in the big 12, um, maybe they can get, they, I mean, they could get into the NCAA tournament conversation as well. Um, I would t- I'd probably say around the nit range. I'd probably go around the seven or eight. May- maybe seven
0: seven through nine is where I'd probably rank K State okay.
1: at this moment in the Big Twelve at least.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you know, there's like you know, your West Virginias, your Iowa States, your Oklahomas, mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma State. I think like you know, those are all kind of teams that could be float near the bottom, including K State. Um, but I think if we can you know, come out on top and be in seventh, sixth place, I think that's definitely – I think seven, eight teams from the Big 12 are going to make the tournament, um, especially with Oklahoma State being able to make the postseason now. Um, so – and I think one of the things that Coach Tank really needs is PR is already really – is through the roof, right? But, you know, there's going to be some tough stretches. I mean, there's a stretch in January where he's at TCU, KU at home, texas tech at home and then at iowa state i mean that's a brutal four and then you're you know playing florida that's a brutal five game stretch um so you're gonna you know k-state fans are gonna be k-state fans there's gonna be some negativity there but i think I mean, for the most part you just gotta dig deep yeah, yeah basketball season's a marathon
1: it's a grind um seven seven of the 10 teams uh oh no actually six teams from the from the Big Twelve, maybe NCAA tournament last year, and okay. probably would have been seventh if Oklahoma State didn't get that postseason ban. I and mean, then uh, Oklahoma wasn't the NIT, so
0: yeah. And then if we got our, we could have made the tournament if we got our stuff together and didn't lose. Anyway, we're not talking about twenty twenty one. I think one of the things that's going to be big for Coach Tang in conference play is to get a big win, especially early on. I mean, think about you know what Coach climate did his first year. He beat Oklahoma at home you know, in front of a sellout crowd. And I think that really, you know, shifted people's not shifted people's minds, but, you know, really sold people on coach And Cause there were some, you know, some people who were better about it and wanted other people. But if you, if you can get an at Texas at Baylor, you know, obviously beating KU at home. I mean, if you beat KU at home, your first year, like where's you're signing a lifetime contract the day after about, if we wanted to
1: <laughs> talk about the amount of smack talking that would go on on Twitter from a K State fan. He's like, oh my gosh, Jerome Tang owns you guys. Um, also, <laughs> back to that football conversation, it just makes me extremely thankful that we didn't hire Seth Latrell. Um, anyways. Yeah. Or um, Neil Brown. <laughs> or Neil Brown, too. My gosh. We <laughs> won the coaching carousel that year without a doubt. We really um, did. But, you know, a, a I mean, there's a lot of opportunities in, in Big 12 play when you're looking at Baylor. Texas Tech, TCU, Texas. And yeah, I mean, throw Kansas on onto the boat as well. There are so many opportunities on that schedule, which if you're able to win, similar to Butler in Florida, that will really help you, you, you I mean your 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 resume and your eyeball test when it comes to postseason and uh postseason opportunities.
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty much when you know we're getting close to March Madness and they're doing you know resume comparisons. I mean, pretty much every win in the big 12 is a quality win. Every loss is a quality loss. So mm-hmm. if you can, you know, win as many games as you can in the big 12, you're really setting yourself up um, for success. What a statement that is, by the way, John, that's how you know we're near the end of the pod win a lot of games in the big 12. And that's a good thing. Um, it, it's it's, it's going to be like baby
1: steps. I mean, there could be some, yeah. there could be some uh, struggles early on some bumps on the road, but um Yeah. Hopefully it all turned out great. Um, and again, the fan support couldn't have asked for anything more better. I mean, not, well, I mean, we already seen more ticket sales than we have the past three years. Um, but, but but the team chemistry definitely looks fair based on some of the social media posts that we've seen um, and just the interactions from everybody that's associated with the basketball team and the fans. Uh, and then not only that, but you're, you're playing in, once again a big 12 conference that that you you'll be able to take um maybe as not maybe not as a game in which like oh we have nothing to lose but oh man i mean we, we got a big opportunity if we're able to knock off this team and knock off this team as well so i mean blake as we're ending this pod approaching basketball season i mean i'm just ready to get this thing started man right ready to see that student student intro video the tunnel dance i'm just like bring it all back just bring it yes. all back
0: yeah i've seen that team run out of the tunnel is going to be so exciting uh they open they play washburn at home in an exhibition on tuesday if you'd like to go see that and then they officially start the regular season um playing the university of texas uh rio grande valley is the v for valley right. okay yep. look at me go the bank um, arrows. yeah uh november 7th the following monday at 8 p.m so if you'd love to you know you you need to go see this team play especially for some of the first couple games um we're going to be talking a lot um in the coming you know days and weeks and months about the you know how this team flows together and i think it's going to be a really interesting storyline to follow and then we also got football still going on volleyball still wrapping up um Soccer's playing their final regular season game um on Poor Thursday. Gene.
1: Poor Gene.
0: Oh, oh man. God. Phew. And then our, thank our golf goodness. team just finished up the season. Our cross country team has the Big Twelve Championships uh this Friday. Thank, thank goodness.
1: Thank <laughs> goodness. I am not in the same position as Gene Taylor. I mean, you have to be making so much time. Well, uh, for for basketball. I mean, you got baseball also doing some activities as well with the fall. Yeah. Team as well
0: they've got a uh, halloween game I mean, it's just it's madness it's,
1: it's homecoming weekend as well i mean chaos <laughs> is erupting folks I and mean, then you got women's basketball they're starting uh they're starting their season on monday with an exhibition as well so um catch catch them as well i mean basketball season y- y- you couldn't have asked for anything better than that i, I mean i i say with, with, this with college sports but i mean with, with basketball season i mean march madness as well i mean there's nothing more like it there's nothing more like it. I mean, I, I just enjoy watching it. Uh, Hopefully I'm able to do some calls this year as well, but uh, we'll see. I'm I'm just, I'm just ready to get this season started at this point.
0: Yeah. After doing this pot, I'm so excited for basketball season. I wasn't really feeling it, you know, like when I was doing prep, but now that we're talking about it, I'm I'm so excited for it.
1: You gotta, you gotta have the uh, battle without honor and humanity song in your head that's that's the tunnel <laughs> song that's the tunnel theme like the tunnel dance theme oh uh, yeah that and then sandstorm in your in your ingrained in your mind I then you also have to have a march madness theme in your mind i mean i know it's all i know it's still october but you know i mean uh what like once when that really starts into it's by before march like i mean you just can't stop listening to it
0: oh it's just it's so good we have so many great <laughs> things to look forward <laughs> to john if only our football team could win this Saturday. And speaking of our football team, we'll be going live on Wildcat 919 um Friday at 6 p.m. to talk about it. Uh, we'll be getting a special guest from Oklahoma State to help us preview on the Oklahoma State game, give our keys to victory, you know, talk about uh, soccer and volleyball and women's basketball, Wildcat headlines, do a bunch of good stuff there. So make sure to check that out as well when we go live on Friday. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shake Blake785. Uh, make sure you leave a review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, John, do you have uh, anything more you want to add before we ski daddle?
1: K State fans, I just want to say, brace for impact. It's going to be a chaotic <laughs> end of a fall semester, but we can only but but what but, but we'll do this together. I mean, like like like's over here. He's gonna he's gonna be on his A game. I'm going to be on my A games, especially when it comes to doing graphics for the basketball games. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, <laughs> dude, I mean, I, I, dude, After, I mean, you're right. After this podcast, like, I mean, it's, it's therapeutic in a way in which I'm able to, like, take out all my worries at times in which I can focus on the positive things for once um, about the basketball team. But, you know, I mean, I'm just – I I just can't say it enough. I'm I'm ready. I am just ready to see everything unfold inside the octagon of doom.
0: Bring them out. Bring them out. Anyway, all right. Let's get out of here, John. Thank you so much for listening. And Casper ninety. Casper ninety. Emma. Emma. <laughs>